0: Welcome back to another Gab and Jules Meets. Jules, it's not often that we have the opportunity to talk to somebody who was, even though recently retired, a legendary yeah. footballer uh, in in the Premier League, well, literally made Premier League uh, history, uh, I now can look at it from the other side as well, now that he's a manager, uh, and really takes us in so many different directions beyond football. Like, yeah. Somebody who actually thinks about this and doesn't speak in terms of cliches. And that man, of course, is
1: Vincent Company. I'm the manager of Burnley Football Club.
2: That sounds oh. good. It sounds good, doesn't it? It sounds really good, man. <laughs> do, you,
0: do you sometimes forget? Like, is it like something that seeps into you that like, that I'm a this yeah. is my job now?
1: now you're the, when you're, you're out the there and plan. you see them? No, I I forget sometimes that I was a player. (laughs) Really? Yeah, that's how much you're invested into the job. So my my life has just shifted from being a player to being a manager. And the things you do have is like, especially when your players are going through situations, then you can relate. You can say, hey, you know, I went through this. So one of my coaches, because they've all played professional careers as well, they went through it and and you relate. But uh, my life is just, it's changed now. Yeah, yeah. The, uh,
0: I, I wrote a book with Gianluca Vialli many years ago, and he talked about the same thing about the transition. And he was also a player manager for a while too with yeah. Chelsea. And he said one of the most difficult things was that, you know, as a player, obviously, and as a leader, you know, you're concerned with your teammates and so on. But ultimately, being a high level athlete, so much focus on yourself. Am I eating right? Did I train well today? What can I do better? Do I sleep well? And then you become a manager. And you have inputs from, he says, it's not just 20 players. It's also my assistants, the director of football, the travel, the bus guy. And you don't have time or it's much more difficult to carve out time for yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and there's one particular thing you mentioned is uh, player coaching. So if I could have done a documentary at any point in my life, it would have been of that period of my life, <laughs> player coaching. It's its surreal. And um, and to in terms of, you know, executing and, and delivering the job, um, I thought I did really well. But then the hardest part was injuries. So player coaching in itself, it's actually feasible. You know, you're a captain on the pitch and off the pitch. You 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 give instructions about how you're gonna, you know, get to a result. And then even 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 making decisions on plays, you know, if you fair, it's fine. But then being a play coach and being injured was like that that was something that didn't account do for. Do you think
2: that was a mistake, maybe that you should have either just be the manager or still maybe one more thing as a player, or the fact that you could do both was a bit difficult for you just to manage in
0: general?
1: Yeah, it was difficult, but but the the decision got a little bit imposed on me because okay. um, i didn't feel ready to to stop, so that 's always difficult and at the same time, um, I felt that if I was going to to a different place, especially with the level of instructions I received from from Pep at the time and stuff, is um, i didn't really feel like I wanted to be coached anymore right. And um, and that was the opportunity that allowed me to still, you know, continue both ways a little bit. And and honestly, it was fine. I, I learned quickly. I learned a lot. Um, but the difficulty was like, if you're injured, like, oh, you go in the stands. So as a coach, you can't be on the touchline. And then everybody's looking like, make sure he doesn't give any instructions to the team because you're not allowed. Yeah. Your status doesn't allow you. And so in the end, you know, in the first season where I did the player coaching there, the role of coaching really changed into more, you know, kind of mentoring from the side, and then leaving another person take charge of the coaching. But it prepared me well for becoming a manager. I mean, I stepped into management, and it's it's as if I did it for for ten years because of yeah, you 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 learn quicker.
2: Because the decision to to come here, it's big. It's a big decision. To be yeah. fair, it's a big club. It's a club that you need to bring back to the Premier League. It's, yeah. It's a new squad, it's a, like, you know, you have to do the transfer, the recruitment, put everything in place, all of that, it, yeah, it takes courage to, to accept. You could have stayed where you were, really.
1: Yeah, and, and well, do you know, I think, I think my time was done in, okay. in Belgium. You know, uh, Belgium, yeah, you know, a big club. It's comparable to like what you can experience in Barcelona, but in small, what you can experience maybe in Marseille or in France, you know. Uh, and so three years is a very long time. Uh, and I was really lucky because I worked with big talents, players that have done really well now that are dotted around on the <laughs> European scene. So you always take a lot of pride on that. But my time was done, and um, and then I had the decision to make because I, I I had some opportunities abroad as well, like in 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 uh, in, in the first division in, in top five leagues, uh, really good opportunities that everybody would say, well, it makes sense you go and do it yeah. there. But I, I chose for people. Um, I made a conscious decision, and I said, "Look, I'm not. I don't want to be a manager just five or ten years, and then I'm bored of it. You know, I want to be in football for the next 40 years of my life. So I'm patient. I'm. I, I'm in no hurry to to lift all the trophies. I'll. I, I want to be successful. Success is not defined by. Success is defined by trophies. If you have a top five budget, <laughs> if if not, you know, success is defined by by overachieving on the resources you have by." um creating a squad that can have a clear identity and overperform. And and then the decision to come to Burnley was for me um just just I chose for people. You know, I, I signed the a f- feeling you had with the people at the club that you were yeah, talking to. Yeah that's it. I didn't look at location was a coincidence that we are 45 <laughs> minutes, minutes away from Manchester, <laughs> but it was a coincidence uh I I wanted to commit to something that in my head I have the feeling that I don't look stupid if I'm trying to build for the next five or six years. You know, like if you start as a coach, if you think about more than one year, everybody say, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> think about more than one year. Be lucky if, you, if you're there by Christmas. And, and I can accept the reality, but I wanted to have a starting point where I could live from a different reality, which is, you know, build a squad and you say we have to go up, but we never say it yeah, internally.
0: Yeah. No, we. But I, 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 I'm interested in this as a – because obviously there's a massive contract between Underlecht where you know you can play European competitions and, yeah. and whatnot. Here you're coming into a club that has just been relegated. Yeah. You're replacing, okay, I guess he left during the season, but you, a guy who, in, in Sean who had been here for a very long time. There's a change of ownership. There's a fan base that, I'm sure they're very loyal, but they were also accustomed to seeing Burnley Often as underdogs, but not just play in the Premier League, but do well in the Premier League for a long time. Yeah, you have parachute money for a while and you have resources. And then after that, I I don't follow the championship very closely, but I know that it is 24 clubs. (laughs) And, you know, more than half of them spend crazy amounts because they have, in my opinion, crazy owners who think, oh, let me buy a lottery ticket to the. I'm saying it's a tough. Yeah. Tough place and one that in some ways you're unprepared for after City and Anderlecht where you're at the top. Huh?
1: Yeah. So, so that's, that's the perception thing with Anderlecht. So the, the perception is that this was a club that is big name and stuff. And, but with Anderlecht, really, what happened is you, know, we, you talk about overachieving on resources. We were number five or six in terms of resources. But one in terms of perception, yeah. so. so that's already that's a bad balance to start as a, <laughs> as a coach. Um, so you have that pressure. But um, we had one of the youngest squads in Europe finish third. One of the youngest squad again, then uh, finished third again, and 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 we in fact we overachieved and we uh, created a lot of value for the club who had a lot of debt to repay. So we we made the club healthier, um, and 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 we 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 created a lot of value and sold our players when we didn't even replace them. And so I take a lot of pride in the work that was done there. For me, it was terrific. But it was a very good learning school, in fact, for Bernie, because every single season I had to lose 10 or 12 players and I had to replace them with, with very little resources. And so you become creative and you're looking for players who can execute tasks rather than players who already have a big name, which is exactly what we've done now with Burnley. So if, and 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 the level are very comparable. So between the first division in Belgium and the Championship is bigger and, 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 and faster and more athletic perhaps. But 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 in terms of talent, in terms of potential is very similar. So it prepared actually quite well for this league and um and I you mentioned parachute money we our parachute money got swallowed up by the debt repayment that that Bernie had to do, you know
0: I wasn't going to go there, but yeah it did.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah but i i think we feel we feel comfortable to communicate about this because we've we've said we want to be open and transparent as much as we could. This is why as well, because the parachute repaid the debt, and we lost all of our key players ben me, Tarkovsky, uh, uh dwight mcneil uh Collins yeah, Nathan Collins, uh, Nick Pope, Cornet, yeah. they all went. If you look at Norwich, Watford, the teams we're competing with, they kept most of those mm-hmm. players. You know, they, they all went. So that pressure to say hey, we have to promote that, that's not how we started this this journey. What we did is like um there's good examples, Brentford's and, and Brightons, who've done it over a period of time. And you build a squad with players who Hopefully, the fans find exciting and they can already perform, but as well, they can create extra value. And of your own resources, you become a, a better club over time. We're a little bit ahead of time, but that one. Yeah, because yeah, it's going yeah.
2: great so far.
1: So. Yeah, it's been great so far. Yeah. Uh, how how gone-
2: you work for you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. How have you gone through those four months? Then, with the success on the pitch, with the way the team has been playing, far more possession. I mean, you're the. The team with the highest position in the championship, yeah. for example. It's, it's impressive. 63%, I think. I was looking last night. Five, so, yeah. We have 65 So your philosophy and how you felt in those four months.
1: It's, it's obviously easier to bring in um, a kind of an attacking-based type of game than go into a defensive-based defensive, defensive based club. It's easier to bring an attacking football type of style. What do you think?
2: Because you would think the other... The other around, I guess you could have kept them as, as a defensive team.
1: Yeah, but but from the players, and uh, you you'd never feel resistance from having more of the ball. Yeah, true. You know, you, we all grew up playing in the parks, and and you know when you play with your friends, you don't give the ball away to the <laughs> opposition and say you play <laughs> and we'll just defend. True. that's why no one wants to be a goalkeeper. <laughs> and, uh, and and so that side of the game was easier to bring because I think you know naturally you give them more of the ball, but then you still have you know your the, the target is to score goals the target is to create chances and you know um you you convince them with time you know they they realize the spaces they they try and they they, they make mistakes and then when they're successful you show them again and especially with having brought in 16 new players i think you make sure that the players you bring in are, are comfortable in doing what you want, want want them to do and but then burnley the key thing i think for people here is it's not so much about attacking or defending. It's about, you know, this this spirit that you can bring to the game. Like, you cannot be at burn if you don't work hard. It's impossible. So, we want good footballers. We want to have the ball. We want to attack and score. We want to press. We want to be aggressive as well. Like, it's so important. And we want to make the fans feel that if we've lost, you know, they'll forgive us here. But if we've lost, we've given everything we have and, and we move on to the next game. I mean, this is core. And I didn't install that here. That was there before me um, because Sean Dyke did a very good job
0: at doing that. I want to ask about that. As a... We all have ideas, right? We all had favorite footballers growing up. But we were... And I'm not picking on him. So, But I'm thinking of Rick Almey, right? We all remember Rick Academy. Yeah. And not what you would think is necessarily a naturally dynamic footballer, very a talented genius, footballer, yeah. but he's a genius, right?
1: Yeah. Unbelievable.
0: We all remember as kids looking at players who were such skilled players where it looked like they're just walking around the pitch and then one second they do something magical, right? So if we all had this as our ideas, I'm assuming people in Burnley maybe don't have players like that as their heroes. Maybe they do. Maybe they have Ashley Barnes. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but... I, I'm I'm curious in that transition because in the modern game, and I think the Pep Guardiola at Manchester City said, "I'm going to take all these skillful players, and I'm going to make them work yeah, as yeah. hard as burning." Um,
1: yeah.
0: Right? Uh, that seems to run counter to sort of this this myth, this legend. I mean, your heroes when you were a kid.
1: Yeah,
0: I'm assuming were more Riquelme than
1: yeah, very much. So. Yeah, especially coming from Anderlecht, So our respect and our idols were all these kind of flair players and everybody else had to work for them and then but you go to watch them
0: you know what i mean but this is I get. Then this guy then you make the flair player work as hard as your ugly center half yeah how do you do that how did did you experience that before going to before pep came to city no i
1: never experienced it before him you know we i've always been part of squads initially where and I was, you know, <laughs> I always remember Yaya Toure, <laughs> unbelievable player, of course. And uh, and and I I told this story a few times, but you know we we we're, we're going. Um, I think it's the very first time we win with uh, with with City, and you know we've just played United in I think it's three games before the end of the season. We win that game, puts us level on points, and we have two more games left to play. And it's I think uh, QPR the last game and Newcastle away. Newcastle tough game. And before the game, he paused me and said, Vinny, you know, well done. He said, you're heading balls all season and winning duels. But today, I take care of it. And I'm like, yeah, you're full You're going to take <laughs> care <laughs> of how, how do you know? Like, And little did I know, but boom, boom, two goals. Right? So that was the nature of the game. You know, you you work for these guys who give you indecisive moments and make the difference. And, and, and Kuhn was the one that did against QPR. Um, but... But the difference is probably 20 points between when the team works hard with talent and when the team doesn't with talent. You, know, you can still win league titles, but can you win them the year after? And can you win again? And, 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 and then it becomes difficult to compromise.
2: So for example, you sign Ian Mattson to say, for, for example. Yeah. When you come in, you say, listen, you're, you're great. You're very talented. This yeah. is my philosophy. This is where I want you to play. But I warn you now: if you come here, if you sign for me and for the club, you will have to work super yeah, hard.
1: Yeah, but that's non-negotiable. And and the first thing I say, it's but we me, it's a little bit easier because you're in Burnley. Yeah, like what do you expect? <laughs> right? You know, you, you've you've got to work hard, and and so that's easier for me. And 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 any of the signs around the training gr- ground is not about you know a player that's making a, a overhead kick. It's people working hard and people who are. So that's the basics, and then um, the rest of it as well is like you know mental flexibility. You got to be able to play inside as a fullback, outside as a fullback. You got to be able to overlap, underlap, and 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 I think that in the future, very few fullbacks, for example, will come out of the academies and be tolerated without this flexibility. So it's also, and I'm not saying he could do it before, but he can do it now, mm. and it's also a part of their development. So you also take them with like you're here to improve and and that's what i want you to be able to do by the time you leave this club and that's what's
0: going to make you better
1: as well for the rest of your career
0: selling a little or a lot (coughs) shopify helps you do your thing however you ching. shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the grow with shopify sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash gab all lowercase go to shopify.com slash g-a-b-j-u-l-s now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash gab jewels So when we were preparing for the interview,
2: I thought, why if we get someone who knows Vincent really well, who played with him, to ask him a question about maybe how he went from player to manager, what kind of advice he would give. So our friend Guy Clichy, was really kind enough, obviously former teammate of company at City, was kind enough to, to send us this little question. Yes, Capi. hope you're good. We always had the, the question, you know, when you were a player. Uh, Which advice would you have to a young boy who would love to make it as a player? Well, you're not a player anymore. uh, You're a manager. So I would ask you what kind of advice you would have to a young coach um, uh, to come. Your best advice that you could give. I'm following you. Good luck and you're doing great work. It's Dixon,
1: man. He will be a top coach. <laughs> yeah, he's got all the tools, and
2: but this the, the, What's the, the most important advice for you.
1: But the, the advice is very similar: is is make sure the difference between your highs and your lows is is is, is as small as you can it can be. And I mean, you know, emotionally as well. So um, one of the things that you have if you want to go to the top, especially as a player, because that I know, and I think as a manager, I'm just on a pathway hoping to, to get better every day but but there'll be days where the whole world says you're the best how's your next training session because i know players when they think they're the best the next day they don't train the same way anymore and 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 that's when you catch up with them um how's your training session when you're getting dropped by the coach or when when you have an injury or when everybody says you're not good enough and then if i'm looking at the next day and you're training the hardest on the pitch and you are there still doing the basics that you did when you had everything to prove. Um, then I know you'll 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 you get the most out of your career. Mm-hmm. And then the talent, you know, tells you already in advance if it's a player that can go to the very top or not. But um, the biggest mistake a lot of these young players make, I would say, in general, and 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 that's why, to be honest, you feed off that as well. I mean, you get to the very top because people give up. <laughs> it's not just yourself. Yeah, you do. You do. So we're all talent. I mean, you go in Kinshasa in the streets and there's so much talent. You go in Colombia, there's talent there. You know, you can't tell me that they can't, you know, be the man 1v1 and receive a ball in tights. There's 400 million people playing a game. So there's more talent than there are places in football. And, and, and talent is overrated and overpriced. Um, but the, the mental aspect of it is, you know, how do you get to the very top is because when you have a bad day and I'm working hard, when you have a good day and you think, and I'm keep working in the beginning, we start in a position where you might be ahead of me, but by the end of it, the gap is this big mm. and, and, and that relentlessness and that consistency, um, that's my best advice, I, I, I live in your bubble. Try not to fluctuate with the hype and the drama too much. Live in your bubble and do what you have to do to get better.
2: And same as a coach, you feel the same as a coach now.
1: Yeah, the same. But but as a coach, I think you have to even show it more by example. So, for example, we—I'm just saying myself—but you know, one part of our routine is you know we build up to the game by giving 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 a game plan for each game, each phase of each game, and then after the game we have a debrief. And of course, it's a little bit easier because you you match the pictures against what you asked them to do before the game and then it's quite objective as well this is what we wanted you to do this is what you did and it's quite objective as well if you if you're wrong as a coach because <laughs> because you've given the wrong instructions everybody can see it uh, but but it's, it's just it's something we do but then the hardest part is can you do it 46 games yeah. can you do it um, for a league cup game like we played against a league 2 team and, and that's what for me makes a difference and if you do it for 46 games and you do it for league cup games and in friendly games you have the same attitude and it's a way of living then you should just feel comfortable that at one point you will see people other people will tap out mm-hmm. and it's
0: just time. It, I'm curious about what you said about you know the, the role of talent and you know versus the mental side of it and how people become people enter the pipeline and become top flight footballers. Yeah. There's a question I ask everybody. I do have a follow-up. You loves this question. I know. Yeah. Like literally everyone. <laughs> How old were you, and you have to be honest about <laughs> this, yeah, yeah. when you were suddenly not the best player on your team? Anymore.
2: So, Satan said you. never. Zlatan yeah. Yeah. said he was always the best. So, like, <clears throat> but objectively, was, time when, when, when you so came okay. through,
0: was it, was it when you moved to Anderlecht? Was it later? When you said, and
2: obviously, yeah, yeah, you know, they so might have
0: been more skilled, more technically gifted or whatever. But you said, these guys are, this case, people are just better than me. Sami
2: Kadira no. said, I think the Germany under 16 team, Kevin Prince-Boateng, yeah. just like Khadira said, I was example. really good. Yeah. But he said, I, I saw him train and said, okay. I met somebody much like, better than me. Kevin Prince was just like, better than me.
1: No, for me, about every year,
2: in the start. <laughs> really? <laughs> Even when you were Even like, because Campbell, you, were, Campbell, you Campbell. were a prodigy. When no, you went to Hamburg, because I was,
1: I was always put in, in categories above my age. So, You know when i was 10 i was playing with the 12s when i was 12 i was playing with the 14 so i was always um, the one that had to work harder to to to, i I was never the strongest one in the beginning talent wise maybe because otherwise you don't get put in a high category but i was never the strongest one uh but by the end of the season i was (laughs) and 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 i felt the same when i went into the first team and then and then when it was time that's when i made the step and i felt the same when i well, to be, Hamburg was difficult because I had big injuries there. So yeah. that got in the way. But with City, I, I experienced it probably in three or four cycles like this. You know, I, the first time I got there, I felt comfortable straight away. Then comes the first wave of transfer. Niger Young, Shea Given, <laughs> Craig Bellamy, Adebayo. And I'm like, this is better than me. <laughs> um, and I, and I, and then I just, you know, I grind my way through and 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 I was already a leader for that team as well. And then comes the next wave, Tevez, David Silva, and all these guys, and I'm like <laughs> you know. And and it kept going, and then came the Pep era and so on. And and um but you I, I don't think I ever I felt that they were but by then I got in such a routine of like, okay, they're better than me right now and then let's see at the end of the season and um, and that was how i think i was um, able to progress in this game
2: but even when pep arrived you didn't feel like okay i'm established here i'm the club captain no, i no really good. could have won so. titles already
1: no because because the way he came in as well it's like everything he brought in had nothing to do with what we did before so there was like a new kind of order coming in you know trophies it doesn't matter he's one more than everybody else you know <laughs> and and also I think the the way he played um, none of us really had been able to show whether we were footballers that could do it or not because we played in such a different way you know um, so everybody had to kind of prove himself and then of course you got the first thing where you know you see full backs putting diagonal uh, you got you, you see full backs going into midfield center back sometimes being midfielders and then you see these Diagonals, diagonals to the pockets, and 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 you see this when you have to go to the play, and at the last moment you make a choice to pass forward or to pass uh, sideways, and so on. So all these things, um, but I learned, and <laughs> um, and and I had a very good football education that I received from Andlek, To be honest, that
0: already actually was there somewhere in the background to help me out, of course. I'm I'm really curious about that. It- you were questioning yourself and, and you had this and you used that as a stimulus to drive you, you didn't take for, for granted and you touched upon confidence before. One thing that I, I often find having lived in England for many years is when I see ex-players talk and uh, English ex-players especially, they always talk about the importance of confidence and look, oh, if he loses his yeah. confidence. and and it, I feel like, for example, England, the England national team need confidence. Yeah. I'm Italian. We do the opposite. We produce when everybody says that they're rubbish, when the president (laughs) of the club sends the ultras to the training ground. I don't know if Burnley's ultras ever come here to scare the players into getting a result in the big derby. It's almost like they want to knock you down to get a reaction. That's one way of motivating Mm -hmm. people. The other way is telling them you're good enough, you're smart enough, you got this, it's going to be fine. Obviously, you're going to tell me, as a manager, maybe you don't give the same message to every person. Maybe there's a yeah. balance in between.
1: No, I think you you try and ride the wave a little bit of of sometimes it's just a moment. The triggers could be different. It could be like a strong reminder. It could be an arm run. And I think, you know, these different you try and catch the wave of what you think your team will respond to the best. But ultimately you want performance. But um but I think confidence, and, and and I'm a big believer in that, I think it can only be a bonus in your career. Anybody that says to me, I need confidence to play, I'm trying to make them feel, to make them understand how important it is to not rely on confidence because confidence comes and goes. You know, you could wake up in the morning, you have an argument at home with your wife and your confidence could go. Mm-hmm. You know, and you some some fan could say you're the best, your confidence come back out, and there's a kid saying you're rubbish. It can go again. And like, it's such a... such a treacherous um friend confidence it will betray you (laughs) and and i think your biggest tool your biggest asset in 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 your career is consistency and the way you are and 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 also you can train yourself to be confident and i think the way you train yourself to be confident is by being consistent in your routine and in your habits and then when you get onto the pitch you you can have that arrogance because hey if you've done your preparation well you know I mean, you defend the colours of a club that represent your level, right? Mm-hmm. So why should you doubt that y- you're in the right place? And you go. And once, like I always had this thing once I, and that, that was, that's how I imagined the best, you know, those players would get better with age and you had the examples of PLO and stuff. And, and I think I experienced it a little bit as a central defender myself as well, you know, because I was playing through injury. I was never physically 100% fit and I was able to perform. And the biggest thing that was is, when I got onto the pitch I it, it became like um you live in a bubble almost like where there's not a lot of noise, everything is calm, and there's not a lot of stress either. But everything everything you're trying to be a step ahead of and and that comes I think you train now. You know, experience is a big help, but, but the right habits towards it, it's it's not confidence, you know, confidence comes through that.
2: Company the manager it's coming from the education at Leg, from the education with Mancini, from the education with Pellegrini, from the education with Pep. Yeah, all of them. All of them. Mark Hughes. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Of course.
2: Because you've taken little things from, or maybe a bit more from someone. Or how did? How does the company manager work? No, you take you take from all the experiences,
1: and and uh, it's cliche, but you learn also from those that you didn't really appreciate. You know. Really. Like, yeah, of course. This is what but I later on. No, because you you. I think that's also what drives you to be a manager. You got these guys who have taught you certain stuff. These guys who have done things that never made sense to you. And you're like, OK, <laughs> like, I, I want to have a go at like getting it right. Yeah. You know, you, we, not, we never get it right. But I think the idea is still that you um, you learn from all,
0: all the influences you've had in, in your life. Yeah, we're driven by the search for better. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com gab. Just go to Indeed.com gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need, indeed. I had to ask him this because this has been a theme when great players become uh, coaches. And it's interesting, obviously, he worked with Mancini, he worked with Pep. One of the frustrations of great players is that they're dealing with guys who are a lot worse than they were. Mm. And they may not be able to do some of those things. They may not be able to see some of those passes. So I had to ask company, how he dealt with that?
1: You Not know, like I was Messi or Ronaldo in my career. You know, um,
0: <laughs> Mancini was. That's why he sees yeah, it a bit
1: differently. <laughs> but, but I was, I, I was, um, I was a good player. But I was, you know, I've been at the very, very top. But the, the, the key part I've never seen myself. My my, my passion is around development as well, right. and and so you can put the standard so high for a young player, but you just gotta, you just gotta have the pathway. And then as well, you've got to monitor the, the standards, the habits, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing to progression. It's like, okay, you fail, like, have you been in the right position? So should I be lenient on the position or should I be hard on it? Of course, you're hard on the position, you know, like I, I'm, I'm most lenient about a guy. If a guy misses the goal from here to the camera, I don't get frustrated. I get frustrated if he's not in the right position. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that's I,
0: something he can control. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and especially the way I think we select them, I think we we feel comfortable that the players that we select have got a physical capacity to get there as well, which is an important thing of being in the right position. You you have to be able to do it. Um, so I I focus on that. I, have you been in the right position? Have you had the right you know body angle? Have you you know had the right approach to execute? I try and give advice on that. And and I and I look if you score. Three out of ten, and that's why you're with us, and when the day you score seven out of ten, <laughs> off you go. Um, but you gotta be in the right position, you gotta
2: have those ten chances. But you get frustrated because Manchini and Pep are tough, they can be tough. Are you tough as well? Or are you always trying to be
0: more nurturing? More nurturing.
1: No, I think you have to to make the assessment of what what is what's the best version of you, what's the best version of you, and once you've You've got an idea of this and you don't make your idea yourself. You know, I speak about, about every play with, you know, Craig Bellamy and Mike Jackson and, and my, my coaching staff, Bird and Galula. And we've all played at different levels. And once we've got the assessment of what we think is, one, the quality right now and the, the talent, or so the potential for the future, then you've got to be, you know, you've got to push the players. We're here to push players to their maximum of what they can do. Yeah, it's, it's funny. There's a- but demanding on habits always. Like more than anything, you have to,
2: yeah, you have to demand,
1: yeah, for, forgiving, 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 very forgiving, um, when when the execution uh, has is not perfect. Um, if you've been focused a hundred percent and if you've had your preparation perfect up to that point,
2: so you repeat the same days training, for example, a bit like what. You would do with pep in the sense that you 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 work on a pattern of play where let's say your right back comes inside and then and then you do that again and again and again until they almost don't think about it. they just do it naturally
1: yeah yeah i th- I think it's more about spaces though so you you uh it's you know pep is the one who revolutionized with it for me it's just you know it's it's an understanding of the game now for me where you, you think about spaces and, uh, and players have got to be comfortable to be inside, outside, and, and they will train in all these different roles more than position. Okay. Um, but yeah, you have a lot of pattern play, you have pattern play for defensive side. I, I still think live is always the best way to improve, but managing load and stuff nowadays, you can't always <laughs> yeah. do it. Um, and you try and build a little bit of a curriculum, if you can say it this way, towards your ideal. Of, of
0: the game. Yeah. It, it's interesting that you mention roles instead of positions. Yeah. Uh, I did a story a year ago. These people did, they, it was analytics based, but they did a study and essentially they're big proponents. It's a guy who worked with Mancini, actually with the Italian Federation, big proponents of the idea that we shouldn't think about positions. Mm-hmm. We should think of, of roles, that players have different. characteristics so Mm -hmm. you know Holland and Aguero both are center forwards but they interpret the game differently so they create a category so you you buy into this yeah you yeah but I think it's just logic logic you
1: can call it a position it's still a role you know you can have a fullback that you call you know you could call a fullback a fullback but the role, if you decide that the role is inverted, then that's the role. If you decide that the role is uh, on the outside, but the profile has to match the role more than the position. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. So whatever you you play a four four two, you have a winger. The winger can be a wing back in a four four two. All he has to do is on the side of the ball to drop, and then he has to defend like a wing back. You know, it's whatever you call it to yeah. be. So that winger has to defensively still be aggressive and show signs of. Um, so all these things are, 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 are but then it's, you know, it's, it's still task-based. So what do you want the role? What do you want the task? What, what tasks are associated to the role? Mm. And then what does that player show you uh, in terms of profile and what he's able to do and feel comfortable? You mentioned Haaland and Kun Aguero. It's more difficult for Haaland than uh, maybe right now, you know, because he's still young, so young. <laughs> <laughs> he, can, he can get better in everything still. Yeah. Uh, but maybe it's more difficult for Haaland to come you know, and drop into midfield to be an extra man, whereas for Cooney was a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. And that type of idea, then it doesn't, it you shouldn't box yourself in, but it gives you a little bit of, like a, it, it fills pieces of the puzzle when you try and, and set
2: up a game plan. But is and then does that make talent ID for you as a coach, as a manager, even more important? I was talking to Arteta the other day and I think he's got a lot of his talent ID. I mean Zinchenko and Capuzis had the two biggest examples really yeah. of exactly what he wanted from a left back that they were gonna sign, and he would have never signed Roberto Carlos, even at his best or Paolo Maldini, for yeah. example. However, Zinchenko ticked all the boxes of everything he wanted, so they went and get and get I exactly the problem. I still thinking with would have I know, <laughs> As I yeah, was saying, yeah, I was also, like, yeah. okay, maybe not those two, but, you know, like, <laughs> get a just for the joke of the fun. But, you see what I mean? Does that make your talent ID, you and your recruitment team and your scouts and your spinoffs, whatever, even more important because I want my right winger to be exactly like that. So, I need the player that, you know, plays exactly the way or has the characteristics that I need him to be.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it's... But, but that, that's evolved too. It's not just... It's not just that style of play. I'm sure if you go into Atletico Madrid and Simeone's team, I mean, you know, they they defend a bit more compact, mm-hmm. but but you know, there's 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 volume, there's mobility, there is uh, grit and 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 aggressiveness, and then there's speed for transitions and all this kind of stuff. And then there's still games that they dominate where they need players that to receive between the lines, mm-hmm. you know, because they're still not going to be the ball to, the team to play long ball, second ball, and and so. I think as long as you've got that side of it very clear for yourself, then um you'll find you'll find the players that you need. But in terms of also like good players adapt. You know, good players adapt. I mean Kyle Walker was uh, the classic fullback up and down. And um you know, he became one of the best inverted fullbacks in the world. And if you ask him tomorrow to go on the outside, he can still do it. You ask him inside, he does it. Does he have to flatten off in part of the back line? He does it as well. And that gives you a little bit more control of, of, of the ball when they're good players. Um, and, and I'm no doubt that Gail Clichy, if he was a little bit younger, would have done a fantastic <laughs> job as well.
2: At it. I mean, he still passes yeah. in number 10, you know. <laughs> well, yeah.
1: It would have been perfect, in fact. It's just t-
0: 10 years too, yeah. too, too late. <laughs> but but I'm, I'm curious about that because, I mean, Walker's an excellent example. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll use a non city one here. When you look at, when you do the talent ID piece, there's also an element of what the player is being asked to do by the system of the coach that he's in at the time. When you look at him, you may have a different idea. I'm thinking of, for example, Andy Robertson at Liverpool, effectively, you know, there's some parallels, still plays wide, still on the left, but it's a different movement. It's a different... That's got to be the real skill, the the, the the real value added. That you can look at Kyle Walker and you can imagine, based on what Kyle Walker is being asked to do by his current manager, you can imagine him doing these other things, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: But the the, the thing as well is like you got to be very creative because I don't think any of us thought that Fabian Delft could have been a left back. I don't think he thought yeah. Zichenko was a number ten. So. Yeah. I remember the amount of hours we spent and I spent quite a few hours with Zin, Zichenko as well and Delphi as well, because they were both playing left and at that time I was playing quite often on the left because we had two right footed. Um, and I remember thinking that cross is going to come over my head and and those two guys are behind me. So <laughs> so we spent quite some time just at least just talking and going through some stuff and sharing experiences and, and, and about this thing. but. The, the 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 real idea that was you know obviously from Pep you know it takes a lot of creativity to do it and you got to be brave to do it and and I mean as well you're going against so many perceptions um, but in the end it was logical because these players gave us so much control of the ball they were aggressive they were on the front foot by that time we had 70 percent of the ball most games so you know you you defend transitions you defend longer spaces and uh, and the very few moments where you have to defend a bit deeper Usually, you get away with it because the other team doesn't even see clear anymore; they just they just want get rid of the ball and and so, as long as it's clear it it made so much more sense to go more that way um and it was logical and um but yeah, I mean there's the funny thing on fullbacks it's still a perception thing because. You know, um, I, I remember as well. Obviously, in Belgium, I, I had a few moments where I, I had to play with an inverted fullback, and it was like, "Well, fullbacks, no, you got to let them go." And the whole country, well, the whole football country, well, in turmoil because you know the fullback <laughs> should be on the rail on the outside and go up and down. Whereas, you know, obviously, the football culture in the bigger leagues is, is a little bit more evolved in that sense. But that was a kid. But what I wanted to say was was more like. Um, I, I had this discussion with one of the fullbacks. I won't say who at some point, but he was saying like, Vinny, why can't I go up all that? Why, why should I always stay back? And I said, well, and I, I remember there was a Nike, Nike box shoes. I was a player, by the way. And I was like, okay, so let's put the, the, the three positions up front. we got a winger, striker, winger. Then we got two number 10s. That's how we played the we two number 10s. And I said, okay, how many goals of that winger? It was about between 15 and 20 goals and about 10 to 15 assists. I said, how many goals the striker? 30, 30 goals. how many goals and assists the wing on the other side, the same, 15, 20, 10 assists, 15 assists. And then the two number 10s, 15 assists, 10 goals, 15 assists, 10 goals, whatever. I say, and you as a fullback, how many goals and how many assists? (laughs) And it was like, so why would it make sense to let you go there? These guys, you know, you're getting in the way. And he was like, okay, okay, I, I get it. So I was
0: really hard on this. So just give him the ball. Yeah, let them go and score, and uh, you know, you're a player. Well, you said that as a manager, you might have used slightly different language. Yeah, yeah, I was a player. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, Jules, I'm so tempted to speculate uh-huh, about who he might be talking I've got about. an idea. I think I have an idea, but we don't necessarily want yeah. to go there. But I had to ask about something that you know, having been to Belgium uh, a lot of times, um, you're from the north of France, Paris, of course, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. You're nearly Belgian, right? We are cousins. Um, I'm always struck by it. it's a weird place in the sense they have like three different parliaments and like languages. You know, languages, and it's all these people coming together. And no, not to get too pretentious about it, but there is a cultural difference. This is not a naturally mm. united or culturally united uh, country. And you know, when you play for your national team, you're representing your country as a whole. So I wanted to ask him a little bit about that dynamic.
1: Yeah, there's a couple of things that make Belgium particular. I mean, one is the fact that because we're a small country and we're so central, we're very open to different cultures. So it's very normal for us to go to London, to Paris, to Germany and, you know, just do our stuff there. And uh, that also transpired into football. So when the young players that you mentioned, that generation that you wrote a piece about, Um, in 2011 you know a lot of these guys uh, went through academies as well abroad so because we the border clubs are Lille where Aiden Hazard was and then PSV Eindhoven um, where I can't remember which play but he had Ajax and all these plays all these clubs on the border are so close yeah exactly and so we 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 have a we we had access to very we had our own academies with Andelect and so on still being good academies but also abroad right near to to, to the borders of the country we we had access to you know like top five league type of academies and um, and so all that talent just kind of benefited from this supercharged kind of education and then we broke through at the same time as well which was which and that and that created for me that generation. Because many
0: years ago, we used to speak of you know, distinct styles and schools of yeah. football. And you know these are all stereotypes we've gone through. You know, England was yeah. long ball, Brazil was samba, yeah. Italy yeah. was scottenaccio. I think we've all moved on from that. Unless you really are lazy, I've never been paying attention. Yeah. Everybody's evolved. But in some ways, Belgium kind of evolved first. Because I always felt that over the years, you had some managers who were very defensive many years ago. And and- we were
1: all about hard work.
0: But you always had the hard work. That that is the one continuous thing. Because sometimes with Roberto, I think you were more attacking uh, than you had been. Something yeah. that, that's been the one continuous thing.
1: Yeah, I, I think we were, all, but we we were always the underdog. So usually in the big games, you know, we we had to work hard to stay in games. And you know, I've been a part of that Belgium generation as well. And and it had it was more physical. It was more. And and if we weren't on top, then um, teams would beat us quite comfortably. And and then it evolved, I think, because yeah, when you have players playing for the top four clubs in the Premier League, the the top two, top three clubs in the other big five leagues, all of a sudden, and then we had Roberto come in as well at the at the right time, you know, just as that generation was peaking, and and having a more um, probably academic approach of the game for for a team that was ready to absorb it. So then we started having possession, we started pressing, we started being the dominant team. Um, but that that journey still is, is still been like uh, it's been a long journey. I mean, the the <laughs> yeah, uh, the the
0: the shift the shift couldn't have been bigger. It couldn't have been bigger. But but when you were like, I was just curious. But when you were like twenty four, twenty five, and you know you were established as a top central defender, and you see these guys who are... Th- Two, three, four years younger than you, coming yeah. through Hazard and De Bruyne and Lukaku. Are you thinking like, yes, this is going to be really, really good? All these guys are coming to help me. Yeah. So
1: a little bit earlier to your prediction, I think I, I did an, an, an interview when I was seventeen, uh, and, and I said in that interview I was I was I was a kid, but I, I came through, and I said because everybody we Belgium we always had that inferiority complex. You know, we're smaller, and people abroad are successful and. Uh, the, we we always say you know being normal is crazy enough. <laughs> so, uh, but you know obviously all the kids like me, I come from from I, I come a little bit from the street, you know, and and you know I, I, I've never been brought up in this. You know I, we've been brought up to be ambitious, and and then as well if you go abroad and stuff that those kids that I mentioned that went to the, the leagues abroad and so you know you you just your, your culture your mentality changes on that. You you, you break through those chains if you like. But one of the biggest things I said in two thousand, uh, in when I was seven, two thousand and three or something, I said. So in the youth teams, we would go on with Analekt, with very strong team and beat you know any team we were facing, Real Madrid, Juventus, you know Ajax and stuff, like really comfortably. So we had a strong generation already. And for what reason would we then get into the first team and all of a sudden we can't compete with these guys? know, what changes from the age of sixteen to twenty that all of a sudden they get better than us? and 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 in the beginning it was more like we all came in at the same time which cost us a lot of points in in the table like we were very very bad for a long period of time because we were too young yeah but then we grew for about seven to eight years together and then 2014 to 2000 i would say hopefully till now that was that kind of you know we we pushed through but it
2: took time just time can you, help, can you work your head around why you haven't won a Euros or a World Cup? It's just little details at times, things didn't go your way 2018. We were talking about before yeah, we started. It's a, it's in... a,
1: it's a, it's a tournament. You know, time you get a draw, you know, you're in the hands of luck. And, um, and it's, a to- it's a tournament competition. So you know, Belgium has been number one in the world for how many years now? Six, seven years, yeah, like a really been. long time. So the consistency has been there, and and they've been winning the groups the groups comfortably for many years. But when you get into a tournament, there's like that group phase, and then it's, you shuffle the pack and anything can happen. And um, you know, margins like the World Cup in, in 2018, you're in the group stage, you've got the last game against England, and the losing team gets the better pathway to the final. And of course, what do we do? We go and win this game, <laughs> and all of a sudden you you got Japan, Brazil, France, and then England again at the very, very end. And so every game was just tough for us in that tournament. And then
0: being third is still a fantastic result. You, you can't win them all. We 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 joke about it, right? But if you think of the knock-on effect, I mean, Gary Southgate's talked about it. But just you know, maybe if you maybe if England win that game, maybe you know England don't go. To the semi-final, and Gareth Southgate doesn't emerge with all this credit and this self-belief. And then I mean, we the won it, the Euros. So Yeah, no, I'm, no, I'm fine. fine. And we yeah. won the Euros. Just, same same. Just saying. But I'm saying it. I, I always find it fascinating how we're talking about seven games. If you reach the final, it's, it's nothing. nothing. It's nothing, and no. it's one month. It's one month. You know, I'm sorry. I, I hope you do well this season at Burnley, but it's entirely possible that you will have a spell of seven games. Well, maybe you lose one or two games, yeah, completely. And, and then it's still to, a great success. Yeah, you have to, you have to actually consider this, and yeah, we draw so many conclusions from this. This player is good. You know, in the past, they used to buy players on the back of a good World Cup. Hey, don't. Yeah,
1: exactly. Don't, don't make that mistake. Don't seven games. It's nothing, and it's especially the the World Cup's not like anything else, and and um, you really have to peak at the right time. It's not the group stages. It's you know, like for us. Even in that 2018 World Cup, that was actually a fantastic World Cup for us because we won so many games as well. Um, But we really had to peak only in one game, it was the Brazil game. That was like for us, we had to get to our best level because they were so good. Um, And then like the France game, is a set piece, it's a corner. Yes. You know, and and we have a corner where Toby Alderweire does a fantastic header, I think it is, or a shot, yeah. and Hugo Lloris makes like a save, and I was close by for me, he was in, and he makes a save, and that ball goes out, and then we've got a, a front post run on a near post run on a on a corner, and those margins, um, but the, but I'm someone I love particip- participating in tournaments, I love it, but I never draw conclusions from them. It's pointless. The best team in the world is not the team who wins the World Cup. Yeah. No, no worries. It's
0: mean. very rarely the team that unless, wins. It's France, but, um, unless it's France. Yeah. Unless it's you know. Belgium. <laughs> can they do it this year,
1: do you think? I think they can, yeah. But but I I think they'd be comfortable saying that there's other teams' favorite as well. Mm. But they, they can, I think, in the same way that Italy won the World Cup as well, you know, with an experienced team, being disciplined, organised, having the advantage of having played a long time together. And having game changers in the team, they've got match winners, and and you need that in tournaments.
2: I mean, KDB, just I just want your opinion on KDB. If he still amazes you now, you saw him really yeah. young. You, you you he grew he grew with you as City. He's finished third in the Ballon d'Or. He can yeah. go higher. I can of I think when they can win it. Yeah. What like what's your relationship and what what's what's your opinion about Kevin? Uh, is is um. One has got this
1: thing, which is of course very Belgian, is 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 humble, and uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and that makes him likable. But the, the thing as well is just his football brain. You know, you and I've always said it. I think he, he would say it himself. But you, you give you give Kevin a team with a plan, and and he will be he will be directing the the, the orchestra. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, you got other players like Hazard is a good comparison. Doesn't need a plan put him on the pitch and he's he the plan yeah. yeah yeah he is the plan it's a good it's a, but 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 Kevin Kevin sees the plan he closes his eyes and then he receives the ball and he executes and he knows before he gets the ball what he's going to do you just have to run and get there and um, and that's very special there's, there's like a, a big part of his game that you don't see uh, that is even more special than what he offers when he has the ball
2: Cholz sure, we really enjoyed that, didn't we? Wow, that was so good. I just think, he's one, he's very interesting. He's, he's always been. He he's have great reflections on the game as a player, as a former player, as a manager now. Uh, you could tell that he thinks a lot about things and that this is big part of, I think, the manager that he's going to be. I've got no doubt for me that he's got all the potential, all the tools to be
0: really, really good. I was struck by the thinking part, yeah. you know, because, let's face it, Pep is one of his mentors, right? Um, and one of the things that Pep gets criticized for when he doesn't win and mm-hmm. doesn't lose, dreams, like, oh, he's overthinking. And yeah. I will never go and blame somebody for trying to be cerebral, trying to say, these are my experiences, somebody just hiding behind cliches and, and whatever. And and company certainly doesn't do that. Thank you for listening. and. and Sharing that moment with Vincent Company with us, we
2: we heard from Pjaloj Colina uh, not that long ago. That podcast that uh, Gab and Jul meets with Colina is still available. Of course, like all the other, all the big archives that we have from Galicrishi to Zlatan Ibrahimovic to Sami Kadira to uh, many others, they're all available. If you enjoy. This kind of form of long, long conversation. Form conversation, yeah, exactly, where we take the time to look into subjects and discuss it with with some of people acting in the game.